Hey, travelers. Just stopping by to let you know that this episode that you are about to listen to is one of our older ones, and we were going through some growing pains at this time. But if you would like to start from where we consider our newest era of quality, I would go ahead and jump to episode 54, The American Bigfoot. Either way, enjoy, travelers. Hey everybody, welcome back to Infinite Rabbit Hole. I'm one of your hosts, Jake. We're going to be talking about the Berkshire County UFO abduction case from September 1st, 1969. This is going to be a new thing for us. Every once in a while, we're going to be pulling up a major UFO abduction case, picking it apart and talking about it, kind of getting everybody's thoughts on it. But before we get into that, we are joined with a guest. Jeremy, why don't you tell everybody how we know Sandy? Sandy used to work with Jake and I back at HSC 22. All three of us right now are active duty Navy, and Sandy was what's called an airframer. Pretty cool guy. He offered to come on and guest host an episode with us. It's actually been a while. I've been having him sit on the sidelines for quite a while. I'm just excited to be able to get him out there today. Another big thing about Sandy is that he just released the first episode of his new podcast today, The Post-Workout Pint. I got to listen to it today. It's definitely a good time. The guys had a great time talking about local breweries here in the Hampton Roads area of Virginia. It's definitely a great time. So if you guys like working out and local breweries, then check it out. These guys had a great time. Let's get into Sandy. Sandy, how you doing, man? Hey, uh, I'm good. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Almost definitely. Anytime, dude. I'm excited for this. Yeah, for sure. Also, thanks for the shout out uh, for post-workout pint. Our first episode just dropped titled First Timer. Right now, we're on uh, Spotify and Anchor. So who do you who do you do that with, man? You do it with Hedge and Ripley? Yeah, so uh, the post-workout pint it started out as uh, something that Hedge wanted to do for a while. <laughs> he just never jump-started it, so I pretty much made him jump-start it. I was like, yo, I got a mic to help all my buddies, to help you guys out, you know, with uh, your podcast. And I was like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm starting the podcast with or without you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's what happened, man, after... after uh, I got the mic for you guys. Uh, I was like, look, Sunday night, I'm recording. Come over. They came over. We recorded our first episode. Overall, I think it went pretty well, um, considering we we all had no idea what we were doing. But yeah, I look forward to uh, putting more episodes out there and seeing what what kind of shenanigans we can come up with. Hell yeah, man. I'm sitting there painting my my bathroom upstairs today, and I'm listening to your podcast. I'm like, damn, dude, I miss these guys, man. These guys were a great time. back in 22 yeah so beer muscles is is that this is this an extension off beer muscles yeah so uh essentially post-workout pint it it is an extension of beer muscle social they are uh on uh, instagram at beer muscle social essentially it's a you know working out page uh i guess it's a lifestyle page you know there's things on there uh you know working out having a beer different breweries, you know, just essentially doing what you can to make your life better as far as working out, being social, uh, especially right now during the pandemic. It's run by Hedge and his sister, and she's in Jersey. So it's not just a local Virginia thing. You know, there's club members in Virginia, Jersey, Florida, California. So it's, it's getting out there, but it's grown slowly. But, uh, it's uh it's definitely a good time. 
cool, man. Where can they pick up some swag from? If you uh, guys wanted to pick up any swag, t-shirts, beanies, hats, stickers, uh, anything like that, you could either head to www.beermusclesocial.com or if you're on Instagram right now, you could go ahead and type in your search bar, Beer Muscle Social, and the link for the website is in our bio. I can say personally that I have bought several shirts from Beer Muscle Social Club, and they are very soft. They're very nice to work at, work out in. Their Comfy. tank tops are nice, and they're non-restricting. They don't cling to your skin, so when you're trying to do some some push-ups or upper body, they're really well-fitting, very, very comfortable, very, very soft, very, very good quality. I highly recommend them. I got a question, man. The first thing that popped out was this artwork that you have for your podcast. Is that a gorilla or is that Bigfoot? Dude, nobody knows. No, man, uh, it's it's a it's a gorilla. Um, so the artwork was done. I, I'm pretty sure it was done by Hedge's sister um, and and Hedge. They came up with the idea for, you know, the the hophead gorilla. So when I first saw it, I thought for sure that it was the topping of asparagus. And I asked him about it. I asked Hedge about it. I was like, I was like, hey, man, it's a cool logo, but. Why does he have an asparagus for hair? And he's like, it's not an asparagus, it's a hop. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 for sure. That's what I get for being a non-drinker. I'm just like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I guess it'd be kind of dumb if it was Beer Muscle Social Club with a uh, with an asparagus for hair. <laughs> it's like the Jolly Green Giant, dude. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sandy, you ready to go, man? You ready to jump into this? Dude, I'm super ready. I got all my research pulled up. Let's do it. Cool, but how long have I been making you wait for this? It's got to be two months now, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, long story short, what happened was when Jake took his break from the podcast while he was moving across the country, I put out a post on Facebook asking anybody if they wanted to come on and do a couple guest spots with me. Sandy was one of the guys that that jumped out almost instantly and was like, dude, I want in. And I was like, oh, dude, this is awesome. And I'm like, damn it, he he knows Jake too. I should probably wait for Jake to get back. That would be a really good episode. And uh, Jake finally came back. We got a couple of episodes knocked out of the way, finished up season one. We're here recording for season two now, and uh, this just happened to fit in really well. Sandy, I'm just happy to have you here, man. I'm sorry to keep you waiting for so long, but I think in the long run, it's going to make for a really good episode. Oh, yeah, for sure. I I was super stoked when you were like, yeah, man. We're going to do an episode about UFOs. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you made me wait in anticipation. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I promised you I'd get to you, though. Jeremy was worried about the time frame. He was actually kind of worried that you were going to say, nah, I'm I'm good with that. You know, I'm, I'll take a pass because we were making you wait for so long. So it was a very important thing for him that as soon as I got set up and ready to go over here in California that we got to your episode as quickly as possible so that we could get you on. So you wouldn't be just kind of sitting in limbo for forever. These are all facts. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. I mean, I would have, I would have waited, you know, for whenever, but, uh, I just appreciate, you know, you guys letting me on here and bullshitting with you. Oh, most certainly. <laughs> cool, man. You know, I have, I know Jake's got a lot of stuff that he's been doing a lot of research in and stuff. <laughs> I'm going to pop all your balloons like I'm always doing. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> 
We chose to do the Berkshire County UFO incident because Unsolved Mysteries just came back on Netflix, and this was one of the episodes that popped up. I watched it. Actually, I watched it under the recommendation from Sandy. He was like, dude, you got to check out the Unsolved Mysteries. I was like, oh, dude, that's right. It's back. So I went and checked it out, and I was like, wow, this would be this would make a really good episode. I watched it and I was like, this is extremely interesting because I knew a little bit about it at first, but I didn't really know the deep dive into it and I didn't know all the ins and outs. So basically what happened was on September 1st of 1969, a ton of people from Berkshire County and Massachusetts all experienced a strange event with a unidentified flying object. Some of this stuff is extremely strange and it's very hard to explain. So what I'm going to do is I'm basically going to summarize everything and we're going to talk about it a little bit. Basically, it goes like this. The story starts off with a man named Tom Warner and a woman named Jane Shaw. Tom and Jane were neighbors and were roughly the same age. Tom would hang out and play at the Shaw house often where, where he would color and be instructed by Jane's older sister, Debbie. On September 1st, 1969, Tom was over at the Shaw house as the sun went down. Tom walked over to the window that faced his house and looked outside as he was hearing a voice telling him that he had to go home now. Tom admitted that he was scared at this time. Debbie asked him what he was looking at, and Tom replied that he had to go home, and he ran out the front door. As he was running to his house from the Shaws, Tom felt an intense fear flood him, and he was felt as if he was weightless while running. From Jane's point of view, Tom was hovering low off the ground and was running in place, like literally hovering off the ground. Jane claims this happened for roughly five minutes. As Tom realized that he wasn't moving, a craft dropped out of the sky and pointed a large beam of light right at him. Tom's arms were forced backwards in the standing position and took the breath completely out of him. Soon after that, Tom disappeared. So Jane, right? Jane was the other person, the lady. Yeah. She saw this happen? Yes. During the episode... Jane did say that she watched as Tom disappeared right before her eyes. What do you think, Sandy? You remember seeing that part in the, in the show, correct? Yeah, I watched that whole episode. I did think that it was interesting. You know, you have these two kids who are like, oh, I was abducted. The first thing you think is like, all right, dude, like, <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> like, were you abducted or you like, what's up? But no, I mean, I was I was skeptical. And then I actually watched that episode two times or three times, I think, just to like make sure I didn't miss anything. But on that night, there are other witness accounts of seeing the ship in that area. And th this is September 1st, correct? Yes. Yeah, there is, you know, something that the Netflix documentary doesn't really go into detail about is that there are other local business owners and other people who did see a craft in the air that night. So it makes it a little bit harder to disprove that it actually happened with multiple witness accounts, those being particularly the people who weren't involved. I have no, no way to disprove what Tom and Jane said happened, so... After I watched it for the first time, I did a quick Google search on the Berkshire incident. 
and I found a lot of information. There's a lot of different incidents that happened that night that's not reported in the Netflix special. But a lot of people are unwilling to come forward anymore because they initially came forward and they were the victim of a lot of criticism, hmm. both in the area and outside the area. Because when this happened, apparently this made national news. I was able to find some reports from California and Wisconsin that the local news stations in those states also did a story on this incident as well. Now, the area that this happened in Massachusetts is sort of a hotbed for this area. There's the, I think it's called the Bridgewater Triangle. And it's not necessarily where Berkshire is, but there is definitely an area there in Massachusetts of strangeness. The incidents that happened on September 1st, 1969, definitely wasn't just isolated to the handful of stories that were talked about on the Netflix special. I concur. <laughs> <laughs> Shortly after the first incident with Tom Warner and Jane Shaw, the story on Netflix moves into the story of Melanie Kirchdorfer. Melanie was 12 years old, and she was traveling from the local Dairy Queen in Mansfield, which is in Berkshire County, with her family, and they were traveling to a lake. Uh, I can't remember the name of the lake, but as her father backed into the parking lot at the lake, the car was engulfed in an intense white light. Her father stated that he wanted to chase it, and her mother begged him not to do it. Obviously, her father chased it down. Uh, Melanie and her sister claimed not to remember much of the chase, but Melanie remembers levitating in the back seat, then waking up on board a ship, and then she claims to have been forced to lay down in. The Melanie story kind of takes a weird twist here, where Melanie and Tom kind of come together, and Tom Warner, the guy who was taken as he was running in while he was levitating, and after Tom disappears, he claims to have seen Melanie on board the ship. He says that she was laying on the table on his right and that she was very scared. Melanie does not remember seeing him because she did not know him at the time. Melanie was a few years older than Tom, but Tom knew her. Melanie remembers being in a room with a bunch of other children. The children slowly began to disappear one by one. When Melanie woke up, she was lying down in the grass by the lake all by herself. Tom remembers being slowly lowered down onto the grass at the other end of the property that he was taken from. When he looked up, he saw the beam of light on him. The light was holding him to the ground, and he found that he could not get up. After he attempted to get up when his brother was yelling at him to run. He heard the same voice from earlier, telling him, I'll be done in a minute. And soon after the light turned off, before he was able to get to his feet, the aircraft was gone. Jane Shaw claims that Tom was gone a total of seven minutes. And when Melanie officially met Tom later on in their lives... She claims to have had an immediate connection with him. That basically wraps up the whole story of Tom Warner and Melanie Korchdorfer. What do you guys think about that? I'm just trying to wrap my head around this because the research that I've done for this episode is that most people, when they have alien abduction sort of experiences, it has a lot to do with the same sort of behavior that people find when they experience sleep paralysis and the consensus is is that most of these people when they say i was abducted by an alien i saw a gray alien i was in a spaceship all this stuff the reality of the situation is is that something freaked them out they blacked out or they fainted and they saw the same things that a lot of people that experience sleep paralysis saw uh they feel a presence 
that's you know there with them they see bright lights they have really all the same symptoms they feel like they're levitating and really what happens is is that they've seen in movies and tv shows alien type stuff the gray alien the first time it was ever introduced was by hollywood in the 50s i believe since then whenever people say i saw a gray alien could easily be chalked up to well you saw that in a movie and your brain is trying to fill in a gap and trying to fill in a hole because it's a lot easier for your brain to make up something than for there to be a missing spot uh, or people will suggest that or they'll remember it in some sort of a uh, hypnotherapy and someone will suggest something or try to lead them to a point and then their brain will fill in a random spot and say yeah oh that's right there was aliens and i was in an aircraft or a spacecraft but for this situation i'm trying to wrap my head around it and i'm trying to think about you know if they were in the same room when they're retelling this situation and then their brains were just feeding off each other but it is certainly a very strange situation especially cuz it goes into other people and i'm sure we'll get into that but other people seeing the spaceship or the ufo or whatever it was now i totally understand what you're trying to say when you're talking about the sleep paralysis and seeing the gray aliens and whatnot that's definitely an easy way to explain that and i'm pretty sure that most of these people who claim to be abducted by aliens are actually just suffering from sleep paralysis that they're seeing some sort of hallucination while they're in their rem sleep you know what i'm saying but that can't really be tied in here with tom warner and melanie kirchdorfer right this is completely separate from that. I honestly want to say that throughout the entire episode on Netflix and everything that I read online, there wasn't any mention of any kind of beings or anything. It was simply just a craft, you know, and there was some, definitely mm -hmm. some strange things that happened, but I don't remember ever seeing, reading, listening uh, to anything and, and hearing anything about any kind of beings. So I don't know if the sleep paralysis thing like you were saying, I don't know if that's technically right how you can explain this particular case. And man, I don't, the the Tom Warner and Melanie Kirchdorfer experience that we go over in this episode is mind blowing, and it definitely makes me scratch my head. But you're right. You know what? What if they were in the same room, or if they had talked before they had gotten into when they were questioned? Maybe they did have a prior relationship. I don't know. I don't know. They would they would have had to if this was false, but I don't know, man. I don't know. That's why I asked if Jane had seen Tom levitating. Yeah. Like Tom said he was, because that was threw me for a loop right there. Because I'm from my role or my perspective in this podcast is I'm trying to find the truth in everything. Mm -hmm. Not really running wild with it, but let's break this down into logical what this could be but it really gets hairy when you have the scientific perspective of alien abductions because we don't know that aliens exist there's never been a body recovered as far as we know and there's similar symptoms for people that get really freaked out and then and faint and then have a sleep paralysis episode while they're in that state and people that just experience sleep paralysis is the same thing but when you start adding other elements like this person saw this person levitating, or at least they said so, right? If there's no one else around, there's no cameras, I don't know. But at least that's what the story is. So this outside person that's not Tom, who's explaining the story, saw the same events that Tom described, 
And then Tom goes into the spaceship or whatever it was and sees Melanie. And maybe they were in the same room while they were having, while they were being interviewed or whatever, or maybe they weren't. But either way, there's so many more elements to this story than I can really conclude to. They're either lying or they're faking it or their brains making up nonsense. It's very, very strange. As kids, if this was faked, I mean, they would have had to spend quite a good chunk of time together before this even happened to concoct such a story. Right. You know, that's that's where it just blows my mind that it's like, there's no way that three kids, you know, Jane, Melanie and Tom could concoct some kind of story like this and then get other credible witnesses to say like, oh, yeah, like we saw that we saw the craft. Right. That shit was real. (laughs) I mean, I hear the the bright light coming through the into the the car, and everything's all lit up. And in my mind, I'm like, so a helicopter flew over and spotlighted you guys. <laughs> you know, this isn't this isn't Vietnam. <laughs> hey, I mean, I don't know if you grew up in the hood like I did, but there's ghetto birds spotlighting people all day long <laughs> or all night long. I don't think they have that in Berkshire, Massachusetts. <laughs> in, the middle, in the middle of the boonies, yeah. So obviously, there's holes in my theory, of course. I, you know, I'm not going to jump in here and say that all of this is true because as, yeah. as Sandy was saying, they were kids and let's just put ourselves into this situation. I'm running from my friend's house to my house across a field and I get spotlighted by a helicopter. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, what, what's the first thing that I'm going to do? I'm going to act like I'm getting abducted by mm-hmm. aliens. Yeah. Or like <laughs> Farmer Ted. He's got like his fucking 8,000 lumens spotlight. <laughs> and he's like, hang hey, man, what are you doing running through my yard? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. You know, it hits him with that high power magnet and his watch sucks yeah. him up into the sky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe he was running through a junkyard and the, the junkyard magnet tried to pick him up. <laughs> but the only thing that punches holes in the theory about them just being kids and, and having fun with their imaginations is that they're still talking about it as adults. And they would have to be extremely addicted to the attention in order to keep the story going for so long. Yeah. Well, how small is Berkshire County? Do people get bored there? Uh, yes, I would get bored there. Uh, the Berkshire, Berkshire County is uh, its right on the eastern tip of the Appalachians. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to do out there. You can snowboard and ski, and I'm sure they have a good old time. I grew up in Connecticut. Makeup abduction stories. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not insinuating that they made it up. I'm just saying that, for my standpoint of trying to pick this apart and see the rational side of it, I'm having a really hard time because there's so many elements. And this is just the first part because we haven't even gotten into all the people that saw a craft as well. So let's move on to the reads. So this encounter was told by Nancy and Tom Reed as they were driving from the family diner to their house on September 1st, 1969, same day. Nancy, who is sitting on the driver's seat, is the mother of Tom and Matthew, who were sitting in the back seat. Nancy's mother was also traveling in the car with the family and was sitting in the passenger seat. Nancy chose to drive over the Sheffield Bridge as a shortcut home. Tom and Matthew were arguing in the back seat as the family began to drive over the bridge. Nancy's mother turned towards the back of the car to calm the boys. As the grandmother was looking back, she noticed the light rising from the Housatonic River. As they exited the bridge, Nancy noticed a light hovering in the sky. 
most of the family noticed multiple beams of light coming from the craft to the ground. Matthew was looking off to the right and noticed a large orange orb of light. Tom notes that there was a general pressure in the car as if they were underwater. Both light sources then suddenly disappeared, leaving only a large disc-shaped craft hovering in the sky just in front of their car. Tom claims that it was at least 100 yards wide. As the family was staring at the craft from inside the car, the lights came on again, and the intense light illuminated the inside of the car. Both Tom and Nancy noted that there was no sound at all, no engine sound from the car, no crickets or frogs. The lights suddenly cut off, and all the normal sounds came roaring back. Both Nancy and Tom claimed that the event felt to be about 15 minutes long, but in reality, they lost three hours of time. When they came to, they were parked in front of the convenience store a few miles away. The car's engine was shut off, and Nancy and her mother were in opposite seats. Nancy was now in the passenger seat, and her mother was in the driver's seat. Nancy's mother did not drive. Yeah, have you ever gone into lizard brain mode? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm having a hard time with this. So a year ago, my wife fell off a ladder. Eight-foot ladder, snapped her leg. I had my Bluetooth headphones on, and let me tell you, as far as noise cancellation, Beats do a pretty dang good job because I didn't hear her screaming at all. But when I turned around and I saw her zombie crawling, screaming, though I couldn't hear it, uh, along the ground, I went into lizard brain mode. I don't remember anything except for coming to driving behind the ambulance to the hospital. After the incident, we got her home from the hospital. She was in a splint. Uh, she was going to be awaiting a, a surgery to fix her leg. I asked my neighbors, because my wife said that my neighbors were there too. I asked my neighbors if I was just standing there like an idiot the entire time. They said, no, you didn't say anything. You started taking care of her. You called an ambulance. You locked up the house. And then you got in your, your truck and started following the ambulance. So I was doing stuff, though I couldn't remember it. I lost probably 15, 20 minutes worth of time. As far as I know, nothing happened in between me going into lizard brain and waking up driving behind the ambulance. I had no idea how I got there. I still don't remember anything. But apparently, I was moving the entire time. Now, that could be, in my mind, what happened to them if they all got freaked out to the point of all of them going into lizard brain mode or at least a couple of them were maybe they fainted or so but i don't know if people faint for hours on end but blacking out getting to a location or at least getting out of there doing something like swapping around walking around doing something and then finally coming to after the situation has happened in a high stress situation when you're that scared when really weird stuff is happening i want to say that your brain will do some pretty incredible stuff that you're completely unaware of until you come back but i could be wrong yeah i'm uh, i mean <laughs> I, I agree like uh the the human mind is certainly capable of doing something you know like that like all four family members going full lizard brain <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure how long it was between the time of like you know said abduction and uh, the point to where they were in the convenience in front of the convenience store. I'm pretty sure it was like what, they said was three, hours, three hours. Yeah, was that what they said? Yeah, in the documentary, like I could understand lizard brain for like 30 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, like in in like an intense, you know, like right. adrenaline fear fearful way but you know three hours all four people like there's no way you know and it's interesting because you know another thing that uh netflix didn't really talk about was that thomas reed and his brother did they they talk about this they were taken on board in 1966 they said something along the lines that they had a previous experience with a ufo before but they didn't really dive into it they were taken on, on board previously uh, 1966 and then they were taken and released again in 1967 so i mean there could be some kind of you know ruse with the family as far as supernatural phenomenon like the whole family's in on it you know kind of thing but their mom you know the the documentary seemed you know pretty sane <laughs> like a, a pretty normal person you know and i don't really you know i don't think that something like that she would go along with you know they they talk about in the episode they were ridiculed so much after it happened that they they had to move right that's not something that you you know back then were, you, people were proud of you know like like you were they were just trying to tell the truth and you know here people are harassing them so i don't i don't think uh, that's something that you would necessarily risk doing you know as a as an adult at least a a competent and sane adult, not in a mental institution. Well, who knows? Maybe the ones in the mental institutions are telling the truth too. <laughs> you know, that's not something that you're like, yeah, you know what? I hope when I tell this that I'm going to get, you know, ridiculed and made fun of to the point where I hate this town and I want to move. Was it all the family members that said that they had been kind of displaced for three hours or was it just one or two people? No, it was, it was all of them. It was all four family members that were, well, I mean, the, their grandmother had passed by the time the, the documentary on Netflix, you know, was released, but they were all in agreement that they had all lost three hours of time. And you remember the bright light, the sound disappearing, that, that whole thing. And then, you know, of course, Thomas and Matthew's, you know, grandma, she didn't, she didn't drive right. ever. And so it was kind of weird when, you know, showed up in front of the convenience store and then boom, you know, Nancy's in the passenger seat and old Mima's in the driver's spot, you know? <laughs> and there's just so much of this that just doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah, <laughs> really. I mean, we've all fallen into highway hypnosis before, you know, where you get in your car and you're starting to drive home from work and the next thing you know. But everybody... <laughs> I, I, that's, you know, right. Let, let's say the kids fell asleep in the back seat. The grandmother fell asleep in the front seat and the driver had highway hypnosis that can make up for, I, I guess the three hours, but yeah, I don't, man, it's, it, it is an extremely strange story, especially like Sandy was talking about the, the grandmother didn't drive. I know my grandmother when I was growing up from my mother's side didn't drive. My grandfather did all the driving. And I was doing a little mm-hmm. bit of research into that, right? Driver's license were introduced in 1910. And this story took place in 1969. By 1940, the only women that were regularly driving were the ones that were working on farms. So I don't really know what the grandmother's uh, job was, but I know... Back in the day, it was more of an etiquette that the man did most of the driving and the woman never really drove at all. My grandmother never even had a driver's license, as far as I know. 
so that's not really strange. So to think about how she got into the driver's seat, that's blowing my mind. I, re- I really, I'm really curious about that. Granny knew she didn't belong in the driver's seat. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, I, I wish they had dove a little bit more into the details about when they woke up. Like, did they all wake up at the same time? Did they have to wake each other up? Did grandma wake up first in the driver's seat? was like, oh man, I'm not supposed to be here. Or did, what was the order of events during that come to moment? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like that would, that would tell you a lot more of the story, but I guess these are the things that we'll just never know because I, I did try looking that up and I wasn't able to find any more details on it. The last story deals with Jane Green and Jane and her friend Mary were driving home from Stockbridge. Jane and Mary came out to such a large, massive light while they were driving, driving that the women believed that they were approaching a car accident. Eventually, the lights got so bad that Jane couldn't drive anymore, so she pulled over to the side of the road behind another car. Both women got out of the car. Through the light, Jane noticed a large object in front of her hovering in the sky. Jane stated, I couldn't see the end of it from the right or from the left. She couldn't tell you the color of the object, but she remembered it being huge and she didn't notice any windows. Seconds later, it lifted up and flew over the mountain. When Jane arrived at home, she told her husband about the encounter. Her husband told her to report the encounter to the radio station. Jane reported her incident to Tom J at the radio station. Tom responded with, it was probably swamp gas and you must have been drinking tonight. Soon after, multiple reports started coming in. Tom then called the police station to confirm that they were also getting reports. After that, Tom asked the audience live on the radio if anybody has seen this thing and if anybody can report where it was now. Reports came into the radio station from Pittsfield, Massachusetts, all the way down to North Cannon, Connecticut, a total of 33 and a half mile stretch down a U.S. 7 corridor. Many reports were given that night from many people who never knew each other. Both the radio station and the Great Barrington Police Department no longer have any records from the night of September 1st, 1969. That settles it. I mean, why would the government lie? (laughs) (laughs) Why? Yes, please. Why? Yeah, Yeah. they're always telling the truth. Always. They told me I can re-rate after two years. (laughs) (laughs) Sucker. Not as strange, right? Uh, The ladies had a a run-in with something in the sky and, and bright lights. But I think what really kind of stood out in her whole story was when everything got to the radio station and the radio st- station started having this large flood of reports filing in and such a big stretch of land that we're reporting. It could all come down to monkey see, monkey do, where mm-hmm. Jake had sent me a video earlier today. It, it kind of does explain a little bit of what might have happened here. Somebody on the radio made an announcement about this thing, and all of a sudden, everyone's seeing it. I can understand that. But there was an initial flood of reports before he made a comment on air, and then more started coming in as as South and North Cannon, Connecticut. That can be why so many people from different parts of the state and all the way down to Connecticut were reporting you know, I, I think this was more of a local affected event. It wasn't necessarily as large as the 33 mile stretch that was reported. But I do have some strange theories. 
Do you guys have any comments before I get into those? No, proceed. Jake? So I have a, a bone to pick with the idea of a saucer-shaped UFO. Mm-hmm. So historically speaking, the first time that was ever mentioned was back in 1947 when a guy named Kevin Arnold said that he saw a UFO. What happened was he said that it was like a pie plate, but more like a crescent moon or a boomerang type shape. And through some sort of miscommunication, the newspaper reported that it was a pie plate or it was a saucer shaped. Since then, most people, when they see UFOs, they describe it as a saucer shape, which to me says that all they're doing is conjuring up the image in their minds and filling in a gap. They saw something, sure, but was it actually this? Because the first time it was ever mentioned was a miscommunication, and it didn't look like that really at all. So I don't know. It's, it's, is it possible that you know it was a miscommunication and there's flying saucers out there? Sure. But there's so many things pointing to the other side that they saw something, and their brain filled in an idea that they had heard previously. It was a saucer shape or it was a disc shape or whatever, a pie plate, when in reality, that was never the case to begin with because the thing that was first identified was more like a triangle. Okay, I can definitely admit there's some sketchy things here, but there's a lot of stuff that's still just completely unexplained. So obviously something happened that night. I mean, do we agree about about that? Something happened? Yes. Yes, I agree. I don't know if I'm necessarily thinking that this was a true abduction case. I do definitely think that, that people were seeing something. The Tom Warner case with, with uh, Melanie Kirchhofer is definitely a head scratcher. And what happened to the Reed family, as long as everything there is 100% truthful, that's also extremely weird too. The first thing that comes to my mind when I hear stories of abduction is what is the motive? Why are they being abducted? I came to two conclusions for this particular case. One, this could be a mass abduction in which whoever was conducting the abductions were taking as many children as they can to quickly do something with them. What is that? I I don't know. Two, they were looking for one particular person, most likely a child that matched a specific description. I would be curious as to if any of the children that were taking that night had anything in common. That's one thing that I couldn't find if, if they had anything in common other than their general location. Now, if this was an abduct, abduction case, I just feel like from what happened and what was told in the Netflix special, not saying everything else that I read, but just the stuff that that's in the Netflix special, the way that they might have turned the stories or whatever it may be, this sounds like the latter. This sounds like whatever was doing the abducting, whatever was flying around and spotlighting people were looking for somebody. And it sounds like they were looking for a child and it could very well have been Tom Reed as Sandy had brought forward earlier that Tom Reed claims to have been abducted earlier. And his mother also claimed this as well. It sounds like they were taking children saying, Oh, wrong one, dropping them back. And then they had Tom Reed and they did whatever with him and wiped memories or whatever. I, I know this is all extremely woo woo and I mean it to be because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, to dig deep for this one. And once they got Tom Reed, they kind of maybe moved on w- with the rest of their day. But the story involved three children. 
Melanie, and the two Toms. Tom Warner was taken after he exited the house he was in. Melanie was taken from inside her father's car. And Tom Reed, from what Netflix says, was not taken. But he lost three hours of time in his life. Tom Reed was targeted due to the craft approaching the car. He and his family were in, but he, again, was not, quote-unquote, taken. If they were taking every child, and we know that there are encounters in which children were taken out of cars, they would have had to have taken Tom, too. But with the missing time, I, I think Tom definitely... If everything went as the, the Reeds said, I, I do believe that at least one of them were abducted for a good amount of time. Why were they taking them? Why were they grabbing a bunch of children i don't know but i that's the most i can make sense out of this aliens <laughs> it doesn't make any sense so aliens <laughs> do you understand what i'm trying to say there yes it's so hard to disprove like it almost, it almost has to be real that and i i mean i'm trying to make an argument for how this could be an abduction well, I mean, yeah, like, I mean, if they abducted Thomas Reed in 1966, uh, and, and then again in 1967, maybe something happened in 1966 or 1967 where they came back and they were like, all right, well, we need to find this kid because, you know, we put something inside of him and now we need it or, you know. Yeah. I mean, think about how we tag animals, you know, we tag them and then we go and we retrieve them, you know. <laughs> they tagged us for slaughter. <laughs> I mean, you, you never know, but that that's what it sounds like. They visited a ton of people. They grabbed a whole bunch of wrong people and they put them back. The Tom Warner incident happened in seven minutes by Jane Shaw's accounts. But the Reed family missed three hours of time. I think they found their guy in, in Tom Reed. If I'm going to be completely honest, this is a hard one. It's definitely a very intriguing and interesting story. And I want to say that there was definitely something seen because a lot of people saw something similar throughout a good amount of time on the exact same night in the exact same geographical area. There was something there, whether it was an unidentified flying object or if it was a, you know, some other form of flying object, there was something in the skies over Berkshire County on September 1st of 1969. That I believe. Was it taking people? I don't know. It sure sounds like it. But I can't say for sure. To me, the idea of people being abducted by aliens really doesn't make a lot of sense. Because it's never anybody that's high up in the government or somebody with a tremendous amount of influence. I can't get behind the idea that if aliens do exist, and for me that's a real big if, but if they do whether it's interdimensional travel or somehow getting all the way across the the vast distance that they have to just to come into our atmosphere for a few seconds so people could see them or to snatch up a couple kids and put them in a craft and then put them back right for what purpose it's not like they're being abducted and held for ransom you know what can you possibly learn from a couple kids you know even pulling their memories if that's a, a possibility they got nothing and in a really small town or a small county with really not a lot going on it really just doesn't make a lot of sense i'm now i'll give it to you there is a lot of elements to this story that are kind of weird and really hard to just shoo away with research and science and 
you know, it, it almost forces you into the woo woo because of all the weirdness and all the different elements, right? Because <laughs> of all the, the different elements. But at the same time, there's a lot of it that really doesn't make a lot of sense. Is it possible for a bunch of different people to make up a story out of boredom and then monkey see, monkey do, you know, a couple reports come out and then maybe by people that are in on it, the radio throws it out there and then a bunch of other people because they're bored are like, yeah, I saw it too. Sure. Why not? Right. All things are possible. I mean, even crop circles, we found out that that was all a hoax and that it's actually really easy to do and it doesn't take much time at all. Right. But is it possible? Yeah. But even still, I'll have to hand it to them. That's a lot of people, a lot of different circumstances. You know, the fact that everyone's corroborating the same story, that they took it even past the point of being horribly ridiculed for it. If it is a hoax, it's a really dang good one. Like they're really serious about whether it's for fame. They said, you know, what, whatever happens, the ridicule we experience, you know, the, the harassment we experience, we're doing this for fame. And so we're going to stick to our story. I guess it's okay. It's likely, or I guess it could happen, but I don't know if it's really likely that it would happen. I think that people would cave under pressure and say, you know what? You guys are right. It was all made up. We just really wanted to, to get some news into this town because all we ever hear is the local drunk getting into something again. You know, that would make more sense to me. As soon as the pressure hit, it would be more of a, yeah, no, sorry guys. This was all made up. This was all a complete hoax. We just had a bunch of people in on it. So I'm, I'm having a hard time kind of getting down to what I believe. You know, I, I still don't believe in aliens. I don't believe in alien abductions. But I don't know about this story because that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff. I mean, just to like piggyback, I'm not going to piggyback, but I'm going <laughs> to piggyback. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have like seen any like, you know, crazy news articles lately via aliens, but uh, there's an ex Israeli space boss that oh, recently came out. The Galactic that- Federation. <laughs> Dude, saying that aliens are hiding among us until humanity is ready to strike a deal with the U.S. government. Like, <laughs> did you see that, uh, Jeremy? No. Yeah, dude, dude, and this dude has like award. Like this ex-Israeli Israeli space boss has like awards and like commendations, like all kinds of stuff. So it's like. I mean, like, I don't want to sound like a nut job, <laughs> but it's like, it's like this dude is like, I mean, he probably used to be pretty well respected in the, you know, community, but now he's <laughs> like, why would you, why would you say something like that? <laughs> Unless there was something behind it. Exactly. I, Thanks, U.S. government. Yeah, but what remains to be seen from that, you know, that telling is whether or not he knows about it firsthand or someone told him about it and he's relaying the information that was never mentioned and that was brought up on an article that i was reading about it of the skepticism behind it of why would he be saying that does he actually know something or did someone tell him that and he's like oh well you know why not because at the same time i've seen people that are professional ufo chasers that are 
retired military like oh sixes that they got nothing better to do to, than to go on adventure unknown and look for ufos using flares and uh all kinds of you know high-tech equipment because it's top secret they don't have clearance for that (laughs) (laughs) that's you know that's a thing so who knows about that but i mean yeah it's it's out there it's it's interesting let's talk about the slow trickle of information that's coming out about ufos now and with all the stuff that's going on with covid right now all of the stuff is getting swept underneath the rug coincidence they're distractions it, I think it, I think it, I mean, I don't want to say it's a dist- distraction necessarily, but you know, just because the U S government can't identify a flying object doesn't necessarily mean it's a UFO, but at the same well, time, it does that, that, that that's technically <laughs> what a UFO is. Well, well, okay. Well, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean it's extraterrestrial. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, well, I mean, cause I think it's a distraction. I mean, shoot, what, they talked about murder hornets for a week and then it, nothing was said about it again. Apparently, they were going yeah. to kill all the honeybees and all of us. You know, they it's like, it. come on. They're like, all right, the, the population's not that dumb, guys. Come on, murder hornets? <laughs> Dude, no, for real. Those were out in Korea. I know. Those were I know. Like Japanese hornets. I looked at them. I was like, yeah, we used to hit them with tennis rackets because our one of our guys had, uh, had an allergy to, to bees and they would get inside the hangar bay. We'd smack them with tennis rackets. Like, that's not... You know, even that big of a deal, but that was in the news. Everyone was, or they were trying to freak people out for like a whole week, week and a half, two weeks. And then suddenly it just goes away. It's like, what, they all die? Are they still here? You know, I think it's a total distraction. It just didn't get any traction. Uh, For one, I'll tell you that one of those videos, I'm telling you with like a 98% certainty, I saw one of those videos years ago. Like it's not new at all. And that's the other 2%, Jake. <laughs> the other 2% is in the fact that my brain could be lying to me. Right. But I, you're talking I, about well, videos that were released by the Pentagon? Yes. The one, the, the first, the pill video, the one where it's like just doing a little, you know, swishing around. Yeah. I am telling you, I saw that years and years ago. Well, those, well you probably did, but not officially released from the yeah, government. Yeah, those videos were leaked uh, two years ago. I'm talking years, like high school. Yeah. I saw that. that. I don't know. Maybe the aliens leaked it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I saw it on like funny junk or something. I don't know. But it was like. E-bombs world. Yeah, right. (laughs) For real. Damn. All right. So let's, let's, let's go back to UFOs and something closer to the story a little bit quickly. So I got a question for you guys. Why do you think that UFOs are mostly seen in rural areas. Boredom. Uh, have you, have you, well, that, I mean, have you seen uh, San Francisco or New York at night? Uh, light pollution. You, all the lights. You probably couldn't see a UFO even if you wanted to. <laughs> Think of that. You're right. It would have to be pretty big and pretty low for them to notice it, huh? Yeah, it'd have to be like the mothership. <laughs> some independence day type stuff and even then yeah. will smith is still taking a piss while his neighbors are freaking out <laughs> but uh no i mean like yeah i mean you, you, you gotta look at it you know kind of like that too like if i let's say you know if i was a space invader i wouldn't go to like the most populous city 
you know, like with all the lights and everything, like I would want to go to like the BFE, you know, bumfuck Egypt and <laughs> pray on dumb hillbilly Jimmy, you know, no offense, hillbilly Jimmy. That kind of goes into my theory too. I I think that a majority of UFO stuff, and I don't know exactly what I'm allowed to say because I'm in the Navy, but I in no way, shape or form know this for sure. And I am not claiming this at all. This is just a theory of mine is that a lot of this UFO stuff can be explained by testing of government aircraft. And I think that as, as Sandy was, was saying, but he was referring to aliens. I think that if the government is going to test aircraft, they're going to test it in rural areas because you have less people seeing it. And I think that's why you see a lot of reports coming in from rural areas. And the reason why I brought this up is because Berkshire County has about 149 people per square mile. That's as of right now. Now, all three of us are very uh, familiar with Norfolk, right? Norfolk, Virginia. The population density of Norfolk, Virginia is 4,613 people per square mile. Goddamn. We're very familiar with Norfolk. We know how crammed it is, but it's by far not the most crammed place I've ever been in. With only 149 people per square mile, Berkshire County is vast. You know, there's not a lot of anything going on there. So if the government was doing something, even in 1969, it would be a pretty safe area to do it in without being discovered by a very large amount of people. You know, the the 20 or 30 people that reported it uh, that night in 1969, you know, if this was the government, that was more than what they thought they were going to get. I'm not speaking from, uh, I, I in no way, shape or form, uh, condone any uh, affiliation of this podcast to the U S Navy. <laughs> I don't want to go to the brig. Um, but, uh, you look at all the, all the aircraft we have, none of them look like a fucking circle. I mean, except for maybe a helicopter, like if the blades were painted like white, you know, from you look up above and you see a white fucking oh, swoosh of helicopter blades, but, uh, we don't have any circle aircraft. Right. That's what I'm saying is that when that first report came out, the guy didn't say he saw a saucer. He said, it was either more like a triangle or it was more like a crescent moon. You saw a bomber. And then the, the news report said that it was a saucer. And prior to like the 1930s, when H.G. Wells busted out his War of the Worlds, there weren't any reports of UFOs. Like none. Thanks, H.G. Wells. Since then, people talk about seeing aliens, which every single different type of alien can be reflected back to some Hollywood movie where they did the gray aliens or whatever. And then also ever since that initial report came out, like right after that report came out, 300 people said that they also saw a disc shaped UFO. The reality is, is that he never said that I saw a disc shaped UFO. So that was a whole bunch of either people lying for attention or it was monkey see monkey do. Now, as far as the, flying aircraft in rural areas i mean shoot that's what area 51 is when the freedom of information act came out for area 51 the u.s government straight up said this is where we were testing out our sr-71 blackbird because there's nothing there like three thousand square miles of mountains and nothing because we were didn't want our enemies to know what we were doing 
And they totally said, this is what we were doing. And then the the next stealth jet that came out after that, they did that too. And now we don't use either of those. But people will wrap it up in their heads that, oh, it must be aliens because of this weather balloon that crash landed in, in Roswell and come up with all these different ideas. And then now we have people saying, I see flying saucers. But in reality, you can trace all of that back to initial events. And then before that, there was absolutely nothing. Not a thing. And I think that it's just either mass hysteria, boredom, people either just straight up telling lies or they've seen it somewhere. At some point, they watched something, they read something, they saw a picture and their brains are just filling in holes. I'm not saying that people aren't seeing something. Sure, they could be seeing something, but it doesn't mean that it's a disc-shaped UFO or it was a gray alien or it was something like this because all of those have an originating point, And then before that, there was no reports whatsoever. Dude, you're a genius. <laughs> I just read a lot. <laughs> and someone's going to comment on Facebook and be like, no, you're wrong. You're it, you know, Jake is so was, wrong. The first report was in 1929 and then there was nothing. You know, it just, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing though, is that, prior to the initial reports coming out of the pie pan or this type of alien or whatever it is, the fact that there was no other things and may, Hey, maybe that could be because prior to 1930, people weren't ready to be ridiculed for what they saw. That could be possible. Why not? And then it took that one person, just like on other episodes we've discussed where that one person says, hey, I've seen this, and then maybe other people will get behind that because it makes them feel not crazy anymore. Mm -hmm. That could be just in the same way you wouldn't have told us about your Bigfoot story had you not you know, known other people that talked about their Bigfoot story. That could also be, and I'm not going to say that that isn't a possibility, but more so in my mind, I'm going towards that people like to make stuff up or their brains do. And maybe for them, it's a really, really real experience because that's what their brains are literally making them believe, you know, some false event that happened. Mm -hmm. And no, it's not, it's absolutely not a a sweep all, you know, cover up for everything that happened. Of course, there's all kinds of different things in this story and in, in tons of different stories. You know, it's not always a saucer shape. It's not always some sort of alien that was in a TV show or a movie or whatever it was. But certainly a lot of it is. All right. So final thoughts, guys. It's all real. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, now that I've listened to Jake rant for about 10 minutes, uh, I'm starting to question my belief in extraterrestrial. (laughs) You should listen to more of our episodes. (laughs) I think that something weird was definitely going on there. There's too many people involved. The way the stories were told, the way that, you know, Thomas Reed uh, talked about it and, you know, just, just the interviews in general, like it all felt too, like almost too real. You know, I've never experienced anything extraterrestrial, so I don't really have anything to compare it to, but there was like, a distinct sense of, I don't want to say fear, but I don't know what you would call it. But, you know, like when, when these people are, were being being interviewed, like it, there was like a distinct sense of 
emotion coming from them, you know, retelling these stories. It wasn't just like, oh, yeah, it was back in 1969. I was in my station wagon and got beamed up, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like uh it, 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 these stories you know they were important to them and uh it was important that they get get the the information out there you know and you know regardless of you know back in the day you know it put them in a difficult position and they had to leave the town you know but now it's the you know more they, like they said more people have been stepping forward you know talking about ufo encounters and like you said the you know u.s government's you know, releasing documentation on UFOs as well. Does that necessarily mean it's extraterrestrial? Maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, and like Jake said, it, it, there are ways it could be disproven that it's just their brain or, you know, sleep paralysis or, you know, what, what be it. But I do genuinely think that, you know, what happened in Berkshire County was something different. Cool. I agree. I think that uh, besides all the stuff that I just said, I think that there's too many elements of this to be just swept off by one or two or three or ten different scientific explanations. I think that the possibility that something happened is really, really likely, more so than it was a hoax. Don't know about aliens, but certainly something happened. It's a very compelling story. And just like what Sandy was saying with the emotion, it doesn't look rehearsed, (laughs) you know, it doesn't look like this was, they're just retelling the same story over and over and over again. Like this looked like it very much impacted them, deeply impacted them. And they were very emotional about it. And if it's a hoax, it's a really dang good one, but I'm having a hard time even saying that it's a hoax. I just don't think it was aliens. I look at the history of unsolved mysteries and the history of unsolved mysteries is actually very impressive. They've helped solve a lot of (laughs) unsolved mysteries and they they're known for being thorough. They're known for doing their stuff. Now is the networks adapt or I'm sorry, is the Netflix adaption of unsolved mysteries the same version that we've seen, you know, at, like we were growing up as kids. I don't know. Hopefully it is because that would give me more comfort. I'd be more comfortable hearing stories from the old stuff that I knew when I was younger because I knew that, that they, or I know that they were thorough with everything that they were doing and they were meaningful. But like you both had said, I do think that these people saw something. I think that. The sincerity when these people were talking was impressive. They don't seem like they're actors. They don't seem like they rehearsed this. They seem like they told this story a thousand times in their lifetime and they're passionate about it and they want people to know what really happened that night. I definitely think that there was something in the sky. 100% full heartedly believe that the people that we heard in that episode and the people that I've read about in multiple different articles saw something Were they abducted. I don't know, Jake, like you were saying, there's just too much going on here for me to say no, but there's not enough going on for me to say yes. 
So was there something in the sky? Yes, I do believe there, there was something in the sky on September 1st, 1969 in Berkshire County, Massachusetts. But I don't necessarily believe that they were abducted, nor do I not believe that they were abducted. I just think it's a good unsolved mystery. So that's it. We're going to wrap it up here. Sandy, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, I'm going to get in touch with you about that other episode here very soon. I'd love to have you back. For sure. Why don't you go ahead and let everyone else know one more time where they can hear your podcast and where they can follow you. All right. So uh, you guys can check out my podcast at uh, the uh, the post-workout pint. You can hear it on Spotify or Anchor. And you can follow us on Instagram at Beer Muscle Social or at the post-workout pint. That's I mean, <laughs> cool. All right. Well, Jake, Sandy, thanks for coming on, guys. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Infinite Rabbit Hole. Thank you for joining us on this episode. If you'd like to comment on this episode, you can do so on facebook.com forward slash infinite rabbit hole. If you have a story to share with us or would like to be interviewed, you can contact us at infinite rabbit hole at gmail.com. Thank you again and have a great day. But if they were abducted, were they probed? Yes. They had to yes. have been. Yes. I, I, don't Definitely th- probed. I don't think you get abducted without being probed. What do you think, Sandy? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, there's no abduction without analingus. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's like a welcome aboard package. A good old-fashioned PE valve and a probing. Yeah. Yeah, that's why, that's why I'm getting out. Thanks, Navy. <laughs> The probing or the pee? <laughs> when we walked in the MEPS, did we get on a UFO? I don't know. That guy was the oldest person I think <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. He might have been an alien. Dude, his hands are so cold. So cold. He was already dead. He's been dead for years. <laughs> it was the liver spots. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, for sure. I wish Wes could have been here. He's yeah. going to tell me. Today. Sorry, his, sorry oh. his tummy hurt. Well, Wes is dead, so. That sucks. Uh, But he'll be back next week, so. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, until next time, we'll see you at the next fork in the path of the infinite rabbit hole. That was dumb. You're you're (laughs) dumb. Go ahead. How do you want to end it? You do it. Until next time, we'll see you at the next fork in the path of the infinite rabbit hole. That was that was a lot better. <laughs> and and that's the way the cookie crumbles. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that's the way I like it. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was a lot better. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Infinite Rabbit Hole. We'll see you next time in the next Infinite Rabbit Hole. Nope. Whoa. I don't know. You 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 got it, Jeremy. We'll see you next time, guys. <laughs> Perfect. Intros and outros suck. Dude, they suck so bad. Sandy, Here, you, you'll learn this. That intro. Yeah. I didn't even do one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're like, hey guys, um, 
we're gonna start talking now. It's really bad. It's hard. It's hard to do it, man. 